Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career. And you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everybody, I'm Robert Evans, and this is once again Behind the Bastards, the show where we tell you everything you don't know about the very worst people in all of history. Now, uh, this is a story, or this is a podcast, I should say, where I read a story about someone terrible, about something terrible that was done, and then get really, 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 really deep into it. And today, my guest, who is coming in cold to this tale, oh, yeah. is Andrew T. What's How up? you doing, man? Oh, great. Uh, you know, this is my second time on the show. Yes, but, it is. Uh, after the first time, I learned fucking steal yourself yeah yeah buckle it's in dark yeah. as fuck <laughs> get ready for the roller coaster well your last episode with us was our epic two-parter on king leopold of belgium oh yeah uh, who killed like 13 million people half yeah. of all of the people in central africa yep because he wanted rubber sweet sweet rubber I dollars know. yeah the reward is always so ludicrous when you even when you think of it as money you're mm-hmm. like really now he didn't really intend to kill that many people but he knew yeah, yeah. That, he accepted that was the cost of his. Today we're talking about another genocide, Tight. but one that was accidental, done by well-meaning, <laughs> nice people who thought that they were making the world a better place. So Great. that's going to be really fun. Great. Yeah. yeah. Now, on November 17th, 2018, a young emergency medical technician and Christian missionary named John Ellen Chow traveled to North Sentinel Island, an isolated island in India's Andaman Islands, uh, and tried to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the natives therein. Unfortunately, the Sentinelese people had no desire to hear this gospel, and even less desire to let some stranger onto their island. They shot him to death with arrows, and shortly thereafter, his story went viral on the internet. I'm, uh, I'm going to guess you ran into this at least. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, uh, without without uh, marking this too close in time, when I talked about this on Yo, Is This Racist, 
I half-assed so many of the facts because I just didn't. I was like, I think I know what's happening here. So I'm actually very glad to be with someone who did research uh, yeah. and knows what the fuck they're talking about. I read a lot about John Ellen Chow, but this episode is not going to be particularly about him. Uh, okay. It is it is about why I think it's fair to call him a bastard. Yeah. But this is actually about, we're talking about the tales of the Andaman Islands, this cool. entire island chain where he was, North Sentinel Island is located. Got and, it. Uh, the history that I think John knew going into this. <laughs> right. And or even else should know. not like, yeah, you can still just be like, hey, maybe leave people alone. If they shoot at everyone who lands on their yeah. own, maybe, maybe leave them alone. Yeah. I guess that's just the devil telling you that you need to talk to these people extra hard. <laughs> well, he did say the devil was, this was like a, one of his last strongholds. Really? Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, and like the writing he did before he, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I will. Uh, let me just take the opportunity because uh, I figure this is the time. He's one of the worst Asian people. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I always feel like bad when like Asian folks take on like this like white saviory colonialist type of role, and like this guy is extra in it. The last strongholds of the devil. Yeah, something. Cool. Something. I thought that was his exact phrasing, but something similar to that. I guess to be fair, if Homeboy had come to one of the other ones, my apartment, I would have shot him with an arrow too. So, yeah, you know, yeah. about the same. Effect. You're famous for that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I do. Yeah, that's actually why we brought you on. Uh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of talk of arrows <laughs> cool, today. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, so the immediate response uh, for much of the internet to John Chow's journey and death was distaste and even hatred for his actions. People called him a colonizer. Some people attacked him as a bad person for recklessly risking the lives of everyone on that island by exposing their Stone Age immune systems to his 21st century pathogens. Uh, in the days since his death, the Indian government has failed to recover his body and announced that they will no longer attempt to do so. Mm-hmm. His religious compatriots, who we'll talk more about later, have been kind of torn. There have been, in total fairness, a lot of Christians and even a lot of Christians in the missionary community who have been like, it's really clear these people don't want to talk to us. This was a bad call. Yeah, yeah. But a lot have also risen up to defend him uh, and have written articles for Christianity Today and the Washington Post pointing out that John Chow was hardly some thoughtless adventurer. They note that he trained as a wilderness EMT before going. They note that he took linguistics training. They note that he got heavily vaccinated and spent time in what is vaguely described as a quarantine before going over there. So their argument seems to be that, no, 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 he's not. He, he This was an act of love, and this was uh, something he prepared for heavily. And I think the fact that he prepared for it so heavily is kind of what condemns him in my eyes, because he will have known... The history that we're yeah. about to get into today. So and wait, as far let me just reach back yeah, yeah, into yeah. a tiny bit of biology training too. It's like if he made himself heavily vaccinated, that makes him more likely to be carrying the pathogens that no. these people are not vaccinated. No, no, against. no, 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 because no, that's the, the great thing. Is, that's why vaccines are helpful. Is that like there's people who can't get vaccinated with bad uh, immune yeah. systems, and then you can't spread the flu to them. Okay. It's one of those things. Uh, it sounds like he put in a lot of work to try to be safe to them, but also, like, I went through EMT training. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not include how to do a quarantine on yourself so yeah, that you can yeah, contact yeah. the Stone a, Age people. It's not a public health <laughs> That's uh, not part of the EMTB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So, the first European to describe the Andaman Islands was Marco Polo. He said that the people there were, quote, a brutish and savage race, having heads, eyes, and teeth like those of dogs. They are very cruel and kill and eat every foreigner whom they can lay their hands upon. 
Now, Old Marco was not one for actual field research. Yeah. Historians suspect that he basically heard some vague rumors and then reported on them as if they were his own findings, sure. which is kind of how the whole Marco Polo thing. Yeah. But, that's the brand. Yeah. So that's okay. It's what you do. Yeah. Uh, and as a hack and a fraud, I appreciate a yeah. hack and a fraud. So there is clearly a nugget of truth there. And I think he probably did talk to some people who had been around the Andaman Islands, some like Indians who had been in that area, mm-hmm. because what he says about them murdering every foreigner they can get their hands on is one of the through lines of this story. Yeah. It's in the centuries before they were contacted. Anytime someone got close to the Andamans, it was just shooting. Like yeah. that, that has been the whole island chain's policy for quite a while. Now, the Andaman Islands are located in the Bay of Bengal, which is to India what the Gulf of Mexico is to the United States. Only while the Gulf of Mexico has been turned into a floating pile of garbage and flesh-eating bacteria by the filthy, filthy people of the East Coast, mm-hmm. uh, the Bay of Bengal is not one endless oil spill. Although I'm sure it has its problems. It will be. It will be. Everything will be. Yeah. That's... Don't worry. Once we catch them up yeah. to our cool society. We'll, we'll get them on the same train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should see what we did to the Gulf in yeah. Texas. People lose their skin. They all deserve <laughs> the luxury of the worst that nature can mm-hmm. uh, do. That is the beauty of our system. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Andamans are kind of in the middle of the bay, closer to Thailand than the mainland of the Indian subcontinent. In other words, geographically speaking, they're in the middle of nowhere, east of Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. isolated as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's easy to understand why it wasn't until 1771 that the grasping hand of colonialism first realized that there was shit worth stealing there. So this is one of the latest parts in the globe that like colonial people start to explore a little right, bit. You right, Because it's like, such a pain in the ass. The resources are... Exactly. It's probably relatively small, if I'm recalling the... It's very small. Screenshot you, of a map I saw on CNN.com. You gotta com. have pretty good boats to get out yeah. there. People aren't doing this in, like, the 1500s. You it's know? not worth You're, it. You white people aren't doing yeah, 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 this. Yeah, yeah, Not uh, worth it. So 1771 is Not the enough first rubber. Not enough sweet, sweet rubber. Yeah. Although that was later than this as well. We sure. weren't in the Congo at this point, Sure, really. not enough... I mean, the Portuguese were. like copper. Yeah, definitely not enough copper Great. for our desires. Yep. I don't know if that actually, but I assume they don't have much copper. I feel like, you know, in in terms of ease of boat murder, yeah. not worth it. I've known a couple people from the Andamans, and they didn't look like they had a lot of copper. Okay. Yeah, in, individually. Sure, I mean, sure, sure. but neither do any of us, and yeah. I, I think we have copper. No. Nope. So that may be a bad way to judge that. I literally, I haven't had a copper in years. <laughs> So 1771 is the year that the East India Company uh, cool. frequent cool. bastards. Yeah, pod, I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> you guys. Do you guys have a musical sting for them yet? <laughs> we should. There yeah. should be like a dun 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 the re- for the recurring characters. East India's got to be right up there. Because yeah, as soon as the British East India Company comes into a story, you know there's going to be some genocide. Yeah, you know there's going to be some genocide, and it's going to be really half-assed. That's their number one brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah is half-assed genocide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the British Empire could best be described as slow Nazis. Yeah. In terms of, like, their death toll, like, they didn't do it out of hate. It was just like, oh, we accidentally fucked up all the agriculture in India and 30 Eh. million people died. Yeah. Our bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the accidental Nazi. The accidental Mm -hmm. slow Nazi. Mm -hmm. So, the East India Company's survey ship, Diligent, first sailed past North Sentinel Island in 1771. It reported, uh, and that's the island, of course, where John Chow was killed with the Sentinelese tribe and such. It reported, quote, a multitude of lights upon the shore. So it seemed to be heavily populated at this point. The ship rolled on without stopping because when it got too close to other islands, people had shot arrows at the boat. Mm-hmm. For a long time, the Andamans in general were too far away and too dangerous to be worth exploding. exploiting. So the East India Company finds it. Or exploding. It, yeah, or either. Yeah. 
They find it in 1771, but the British don't really do anything about it. They're sure. like, this is the fucking middle of nowhere. Everybody's right, right. shooting at us. Why take that stress on? Yeah. You uh, have to be a pretty small island for the British to be like, eh, not worth murdering yeah, everyone yeah. here. <laughs> okay. They, they really were not good at leaving tiny island chains yeah. alone. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> they love that shit. <laughs> so it was not until December 31st, 1857, when colonialism actually started to take an interest in the Andamans. That's when another ship from the East India Company, a steamer named the Pluto, came barreling through the waters of the Andaman Islands. Uh, The boat had been sent from the capital of company-controlled India, Calcutta, to study the islands and see if they might be a good place to put one of the penal colonies the British were so very fond of. Cool. They they love them some... If if you've ever talked to an Australian, you'll know the British love some penal colonies. Yeah. I mean, we got the Mad Max movies out of that, so it's not all bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some genocide, a lot of genocide, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Huge amount of genocide ongoing uh, up to the present moment. But Mad Max? But. So. God, it's a push. It's pretty good movies. It's a push. <laughs> yeah. You got to take what you can. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> out of history. Yeah, the bright shining lights. Yeah, and you know, Foster's isn't a good beer, but I have been places where it's the best beer. And those are sad places, but they're places where you need beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I guess they do those meat pies where they pour soup on them. Oh, so that's see, cool. I don't know about that, but I feel like you could you could have done that in Newcastle too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's probably a British thing. Yeah, they just stole. Well, they're British. Basically. They took. Yeah, along took. with them. Yeah. So at at that point in history, 1857, the Indian subcontinent was busy being convulsed by the Sepoy Rebellion, a bloody mutiny of the East India Company's Hindu and Muslim troops, sparked by the fact that the uh, British had not told these very religious colonial soldiers that they relied on in order to keep control in their colonies, that the ammo cartridges they used were soaked in pig and cow fat. So they they went out of their way to not tell Hindu and Muslim soldiers that, like, the act of using the bullets that they were being issued would yeah. require them to violate their... So there was, there was a little bit of a rebellion and such. Which is so funny, too, because it's like, hey, that shit is fucking superstition, man. Like... <laughs> You you would risk your already tenuous hold on these fucking mm-hmm. murder sellouts by having them violate their. I guess I guess the trick there was to have Muslim troops kill Hindu civilians and vice versa. I mean, that's what they did in the whole empire. You would try to get troops like that's how uh, it where Idi Amin came from is like his tribe. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we can send them to other parts of Africa, and they'll they don't give a shit. About Just let people. the sectarianism continue. Yeah. yeah, that was all. That's colonialism in a nutshell. Yep. But they were not always good at it, as the Sepoy Rebellion is evidence Just of. Like... We'll talk about that in more detail in another episode. Sure. Uh, but you know, today that that's what's happening. That's why yep. they need yep. penal colonies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so that day in 1857, the Pluto comes, you know, rolling through the Andamans. Uh, the journey had been pretty good for most of its length. The crew was very multinational, not just British people, but a lot of like Indians and cool. stuff. Like, it was a, it was a pretty mixed, you yeah, know, multicultural. More you know, diversity endeavor. in our slave ships. Well, they were sailors; they were getting paid. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or yeah, or not just slave ships. Our fucking colonial, yeah, quasi paramilitary. Navy-ish yeah. style vessels. Yeah, yeah. That's a better attitude towards yeah. it. Uh, well, not dissimilar to the Nostromo, I guess. No, actually a lot like the Nostromo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot like the I've read a lot of detail about their their ship had a band and stuff. They didn't have a cat, but they had a dog. Cool, cool. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the Nostromo if uh, the alien was the one that you wound up sympathetic for. 
Wait, you don't? <laughs> we got to rewatch this movie. Okay. So, yeah, the crew had, yeah, been sailing around the islands looking for places to put a penal colony. Uh, and then when they were near the end of their expedition, the Pluto man ran smack dab into a group of several Andamanese fishermen hanging out in canoes doing their thing. Now, this was the first interaction any East India personnel, and I think any uh, Europeans, had ever had with Andamanese people. They'd spotted a few tribesmen and women during their voyage from, like, the water, but always at a distance, and what glimpses they'd usually had ended in an Andamanese shooting arrows at them. Not a bad strategy. When when was this? This was the 1857. So what were arms like for uh, European folks? Pretty good, pretty decent rifles at that yeah, point. You're talking right. like Civil War level technology. Yeah, so okay, rifles okay. are pretty formidable thing. Yeah, yeah. Not so as it's good still as a rifle get, and a sword. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of a lot of flintlock rifles and, and stuff okay. like that. Okay, yeah, cool, you know, cool. it, so and maybe they had muskets or whatever. I don't know how advanced the firearms the company sure, was sure. issuing, but, but there was rifling at that point. Yeah, yeah. they okay. had guns and they were probably pretty decent. Yeah. So the Pluto saw the fishermen as an opportunity to make first contact, which they thought was really exciting. They were like, sure. "Oh, we get to talk to these." And they, it seems like there were probably good intentions with these guys. They're like, "Oh, it's exciting. We'll get to meet you know yeah, other yeah. human beings. That's a really cool thing for us to be able to do." So they sent out a couple of long boats. Uh, uh, filled with men, including the chairman of the Andaman Committee, which was the group of people running this boat, which sure. was the Andaman Committee, because sure, it's a sure. corporation. So yeah. you've got, you know, you've got your board of directors for the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little bit like a SpaceX board yeah, member. Yeah. This is exactly like how SpaceX would have explored a, the first, an alien planet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, this yeah. is exactly that sort of situation. Great. Uh, so what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? So they get out on their boats and they're sailing towards these Andaman fishermen who are just in little dugout canoes. And like the canoes that these people use, they're taking like trees that they chop down, tropical hardwoods, mm-hmm. and for months carving out the center of the tree to make a canoe. So okay. these are pretty primitive boats, pretty low tech people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they sail out to them with like a couple of dozen dudes and the chairman of the Andaman committee waves his white handkerchief at the fishermen and hopes that they will know that this means peace, mm-hmm. even though they're an uncontacted Stone yeah. tribe who does, in most cases, I don't think most of these tribes even had writing. So right. kind of a stretch to assume yeah. they'll know what a sure, white sure, flag sure. means or a flag because yeah. they don't have nations. Like, I, mean, I guess they have <laughs> cloth. They do. Yeah. Uh, they don't wear anything. Yeah. They're naked. They wear jewelry and stuff, yeah. but they don't really wear clothing right so you don't need it yeah they're yeah. not making much in the way of cloth they sure don't have flags sure um sure, sure, sure. so this guy waves his white handkerchief at the fishermen and they have no idea what he's doing so they just start shooting at them which is what they do and yeah. why in 1857 they're one of the only people who have not been fucked with by colonialism right because they try to murder everyone yeah it's a smart strategy yeah yeah uh so they do the thing that's always worked before and they start shooting at these guys but the company men fire back with you know pretty modern guns and stuff so they kill three andamanese including the chief uh, and he's described by the men who were there as having fallen back in his canoe, quote, almost with the dignity of Caesar. So they're sad that they have to do this. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they, they open fire. I don't think the Andamanese kill any, but a bunch of these guys get injured by their own men because one of the boats fires on the other boat in a panic. Uh, sure. Because they're not, you know, the East India Company's getting the cheapest soldiers. They, also, they generally can. <laughs> gunfire, even with good soldiers. Yeah. Gunfire, yeah. guess what, folks? To this day. Yep. Gunfire is insanely unpredictable. Well, and yeah, I mean, you look at like Desert Storm, and we probably lost more men to our own rockets hitting them than uh, yeah. hitting the Iraqis. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's pretty common today. Yeah. So no one seems to know how, but during this brief fight with the Andamanese, one of the Andamanese fishermen wound up on the company's boat, or on a company longboat. Uh, I want to quote from a tremendously fine article in the American Scholar titled, quote, The Last Island of the Savages, which is 
the best thing anyone's written on the Andamans, on this a- aspect of the Andamans that I've come across, at least. Uh, it is not clear how he got there. The only sources we have are two different accounts by the Andaman committee chairman. One says that the man was seized as he tried to swim away. The other that he grabbed a leather strap thrown to him from the longboat. Willingly or not, he fell into enemy hands and was brought back to the Pluto. Once aboard the steamer, at least, he does not seem to have struggled. The sailors promptly named him Jack and dressed him in an old coat and trousers. The clothes must have belonged to one of the cabin boys, since Jack, though a full-grown adult, was well under five feet. One of the crewmen gave him a plug of chewing tobacco, which he swallowed. Another tried to teach him, unsuccessfully, to smoke a clay pipe. So, cool. (laughs) we murdered this guy's friends and abducted him from the only life he's ever known. I guess we'll give him drugs? Oh, my God. I mean, I guess that's as good a chance of any as like it when when we first encounter aliens, that's the shit that's going to happen. I mean, the first thing I'm offering an alien is either a joint or sex. Yeah, I guess uh, so. And I have a standing offer. I'll fuck any alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything from another planet that's sentient. To. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can't say no. Yeah. You got to give that a shot. You have to try. Uh, which is why I'm going to bring space syphilis back to the world. Yeah. And probably wipe out two thirds of the planet, but it'll be worth it. Oh, yeah, especially for us. Yeah. So we didn't need that two-thirds. <laughs> <laughs> so the Andaman Commission report from the time does make a claim as to how Jack wound up on board. Quote, one of the natives went in the water, seized a strap thrown to him from the second cutter, and was taken on board. The committee deliberated anxiously as to the disposal of this man, whether to release or to carry him to Calcutta. They ultimately decided on the latter course as the one required by the interests of humanity, although attended with hardship to the individual, until he can be instructed sufficiently to know the reasons which led to his removal from his country and his kindred. So in the interest of humanity, yeah. these business guys are like, we got to abduct this guy. Obviously. <laughs> and I'm not 100% clear, but it sounds like from some of the reports I read, they took the skulls of a couple of the people they killed, too. Oh. So it sounds like they may have skeletonized his friends and brought them on the boat, too, and then been Jesus. like, "Jesus, let's I mean, take I this guy. Yes, that's kind of more common practice of the day. That is. It's a very... Maybe. It's what you do. Phrenology and stuff is a thing. These and, are new people. Am I mishearing? I it felt a little bit like the the alternative they were offering was just dumping him overboard and killing him. No, I mean oh. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess these are island people. I'm gonna guess he's a decent swimmer. Yeah, they could have or they could have dropped him off on an island and been like, sorry. Yeah, dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. didn't want a gunfight to happen. Yeah, probably shouldn't. Have, anyway, they abduct him instead. Yeah. Um, now there is one heartwarming detail in today's entire terrible story. And I'm going to drop it now. Yeah, so, good. Good. While Jack was languishing on this smelly, weird, smoke-belching boat filled with aliens and probably the corpses of his friends, he encountered a type of creature he had never seen before. Neptune, the ship's dog. Ah, now, yes. There were no dogs or wolves on the Andaman Islands, and yet Jack instantly recognized that dogs are good. He hugged the animal and started petting it, and the two became best friends for the duration of their voyage home. That is so, so cute. Yeah. Neptune was Jack's only solace on his long abduction from Calcutta. So that's pretty cool that this guy, who's never seen a dog before, yeah. winds up in the most terrifying situation a person can be in, and immediately is like, oh, but that thing's cool. Yeah. Like, clearly that's my friend. Wow. Yeah. What dogs. a good boy. Dogs are good. Nice. Yeah. I do want to note that as bad as all this sounds, it was being done with the most humanitarian of intentions by company personnel, or at least that's how they justified this to yeah. themselves. At this point, the nigh obliteration of the Native Americans in North and South America was well known and considered to be a horrific cautionary tale by the British. These guys were really? Yeah. Oh, oh. They, I mean, because it was, it was terrible what was done. I mean, they, there were people who recognized that at the time, maybe not okay. in America, but a lot of sure. people around 
the world. And there was a lot of sympathy. This is a long-running thing in Europe. Like, it's why yeah. Hitler was always obsessed with Native American novels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a thing, this sort of, like, fetishization of Native cultures. But it was very much, huh. there was that attitude that it was a tragedy isn't new. People at the time, because in 1857, we were still fucking with the Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. People in, like, Europe and other parts of the world at the time knew that was messed up. Yeah. And the fact that a lot of these guys, you know, they didn't have the detail now that we have about how many people were in North and South America before uh, colonial contact and how many died from the disease. But they knew that a lot of them had died from disease. They didn't have germ theory, but it was pretty clear that this thing tended to end badly. So... These guys would not be considered woke by modern standards, but by the standards of the time and of the British Empire, a lot of the people involved in these decisions were pretty progressive people. Yeah, right. Well, Um, well, the alternative was murdering everyone. Yeah. So anything shy of that, pretty good on a curve. Yeah, 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 exactly. So there was no desire to enslave Jack or put him in a cage. This isn't like a Christopher Columbus thing where, like, we find these people and I mean, well, let's own some of them. Like, But they did take him back to Calcutta, and he was kept in the mansion of the Andaman Committee chairman. Uh, He was given fine suits of tailored clothing and taken around to all the high society Calcutta had to offer. He met the Viceroy, Lord Canning, and greeted his wife by trying to, quote, blow into her hand with a cooing murmur. This was apparently a traditional greeting of his people, and I have trouble picturing it myself, but that's how it's described. Mm. I don't... Mm. Yeah, I don't know Mm. how that works. I'm doing it. Oh, to everyone. You think think that's the sound? (laughs) So Jack did eventually seem to get into the swing of things, and it seems like he even started to enjoy being the talk of the town and taking care of food and stuff, you know. Compared to, say, again, like Christopher Columbus, first contact with the Andaman people was relatively less terrible. Uh, Yes. Still exploitative, still gross in a lot of ways. But again, you can see the difference. Right, you can right, see right. these people know it's fucked up to do what Columbus did, and they don't want to be that. Right, right, right. So worth pointing out, in some ways, those people are more woke than a lot of Americans living today. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, yeah. Just, just to be fair. <laughs> That's not unfair. Yeah. Um, it's always been a curve. So, and, and, and it was still pretty gross in their time, too. I don't yeah. want to cover that up either. At one point, a picture of Jack was taken to be sent to Alexander von Humboldt, the German naturalist who became the namesake for my favorite county in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack was asked to pose naked for this photo, uh, and he'd gotten used to wearing clothes at this point and kind of realized it was weird that they wanted him to be naked. So he refused, uh, but eventually they needled him until he agreed to strip. I only bring this up because it will not be the last time that we talk about creepy forced nudity and the Andaman people. Yeah. I saw some of the news reports. Yeah. 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 So we are going to continue talking about what happens to Jack. Not great. Uh, And we're going to continue talking about the accidental genocide of the Andaman Islands. But first, something intentional that's not genocide (laughs) is the products and services that support this uh, podcast. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. 
My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com behind. That's mintmobile.com behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month. No matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. We're talking about Jack, the first Andaman to meet white people, and how that goes, which is uh, so great. <laughs> did he ever manage, or maybe you're getting to this, did he ever manage to leave behind anything written, or? No. Yeah. No. And I don't think that was a priority of sure. the people. Who, right, yeah. right, right. There was clearly some communication that they were able to work out, but, I mean, it's one of those things. If you grow up in a society without writing to adulthood, yeah, the odds of you... Right. And it's not that they're any less intelligent, because I've been reading about some of these tribes, and the average people in these will be able to recognize something like 400-something different plants, many of with yeah. in individual medicinal oh, yeah, of and, course. Edit, yeah, and yeah. like three or 400 different animal species. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of knowledge in these places, yeah. but they don't focus on the same things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's hard to imagine someone picking that up, writing at adulthood, well, without and, the concept. And I'm sure there was not a priority to yeah. teach him anything. No, no. Uh, I mean, I'm right. sure there was a priority to teach him how to behave in public, but yeah. I don't think people were like, oh, and he should probably read The Rights of Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, so after about two weeks in Calcutta, Jack got horribly ill with cholera. Surprise! 
<laughs> Company doctors gave him medicine, but since medicine back then was mostly nonsense and whiskey, it didn't do much to yeah. alleviate things. Jack got over the cholera, but wound up with severely inflamed lungs, so maybe he didn't really get over the cholera. Yeah. Company panicked because public relations was a thing now, and Jack had become something of a sensation. It would not look good if he died in their care. Right. They agreed that the most ethical way to deal with this looming tragedy was to ship Jack back to the Andamans, so he could <laughs> die far away from the press. Sure. <laughs> oh, and be back with his family. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Viceroy ordered him sent back. He was given presents, many presents, and shipped back to his home on South Reef Island. He'd gotten sicker the whole time he was on board, because that's how dying works. Yeah. Uh, by the time they dropped him off, alone, naked, on the shore with a bunch of pots and pans and tailored clothing, <laughs> the ship's surgeon noted, quote, it could not be ascertained whether he was pleased or not at being restored to his home. Jesus. Right. Yeah. He's the upgraded version of smallpox blankets right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they take this guy to their thing, they give him some clothes, they get him sick, and then they drop him off when they don't know what else to do with him Jesus back on this island covered with modern industrialized nation pathogens. Yeah. One presumes Jack died. Uh, one also presumes that he may have spread his super fun diseases yeah. to his fellow Andamanese people who had never been exposed to them before. So we don't know exactly how many people were in the Andamans prior to the British coming, prior to Jack being sent back. We can presume from the context clues that British contact with the islands was just as virulent and devastating in the Andamans as it was basically everywhere else, regardless of their good intentions. Whether or not Jack spread cholera or whatever to his fellows, disease quickly tore through the islands as the first European and Indian settlers landed because they were going to build that fucking penal colony. Company established Port Blair in 1789. It became the empire's capital in the Andamans until rampant sickness and death forced them to move it in 1796. Oh, e- even sickness and death amongst For, uh, oh, the... Oh, yeah, I mean, because okay. they're it's all still the jungle. Place. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the jungle. Medicine is whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, they, <laughs> they don't have... A lot of British people dying, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess for what it's worth, I mean, we always talk about modern pathogens, but it's more just like different pathogens, right? Like, that's part of it is like you can just have different stuff. I mean, the, the odds are not as high, I guess. The biggest thing is that we live around animals. Yeah. Everyone in, 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 yeah, in yeah. even in India, too, which I think is probably why you didn't hear about like the same sort of diseases sweeping through them because, like, well, they already lived they know, domesticated, around domesticated yeah. animals. I vaguely remember that part of Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons this goes badly. Um, So the author of that wonderful American Scholar article, Adam Goodhart, actually traveled to the National Archives of India in New Delhi and looked over some of the books from the records of the company and the British Raj's rule in the Andaman Islands. Entries in these notebooks include titles like, quote, Flogging to check unnatural crime in the settlement of Port Blair. Mortality among the sheep sent from Calcutta. Branding of life prisoners. Sentence of death passed on Bialio, alias Philip, and Andamanese. Port Blair superintendent applies for large ice machine. These are, okay. Yeah, this, this is the kind of stuff bad. going on. It's not right? all bad. They got that ice machine. That's yeah. pretty sweet. I mean, I assume. That's a gin and tonic machine. Branding people is not nice, but I do support ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the department, but this and concept. The, and the <laughs> flogging thing, I guess, that's just data you're collecting. Yeah, flogging to ch- unnatural crime. Which I am curious about what yeah, they're what talking does that about. Mean? Probably having whatever the British considered wrong sex. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. Now, according to Goodhart, the number one topic of discussion between the authorities in Calcutta and their officers in the Andamans was what was to be done with the Andamanese Aboriginal people. Quote 
The British arrived in the islands determined that their contact would be above reproach. They did not behave like the Americans on the Upper Plains or the Belgians in the Congo, raping and butchering for sport, nor had they any desire to repeat the unpleasant experience of their compatriots in Tasmania, whose careless expansionism had led to the ex- accidental extinction of an entire race. This is not the mm-hmm. British have a history of that. Yeah. Uh, rather than the first superintendent was dispatched to the Andamans in 1858 with the unequivocal instructions that the natives be treated with the greatest forbearance and humanity, and that they be promptly informed that our intentions towards the people of the Andamans are of the most friendly character. So again, okay. we're your buddies. We're just here to yeah, help out. Yeah. We're here. You're not using these all of the land. Yeah, we have prisoners. We do have prisoners. We might mine some stuff. That's all. That's all. Just a little bit just on mining and prisoners. Little hit of the British Empire. We swear <laughs> it won't become a problem. How likely is that? <laughs> uh, at least they're trying. Good for you know what? Good for them. Good for the British yeah. Empire. I say that all the time. So the Andamanese people, by contrast, made it clear that they wanted not one fucking thing to do with the British Empire. The standard response by these people was to flee, uh, if there were too many British people, or Mm -hmm. to try and murder them in self-defense. Repeated ambushes of royal and company troops eventually sparked a war and a great battle wherein men with spears charged a modern British warship and its modern British guns. Jesus. This did not end well for the Andamanese people. In fairness to them, if you're at their level of technological sophistication and you see a steamboat with cannons on it you probably think that's a monster yeah we like, just have to all charge it and, yeah. and kill it it's it's like it's like a dinosaur well you have no you choice what that like, yeah it's try. Like, it's what you would do anyone would would yeah. act that way yeah, if yeah. something that looked similar just this giant monster coming on yeah. what, do you, what do you do yeah like what do you do Anyway, once they were beaten and subdued by rampant disease, most of the Andamanese survivors eventually appeared to decide if you can't beat them, join them. They stopped fleeing, started hanging out in British settlements and asking for coconuts and liquor and cigarettes. The British, in response to this, set up Andamanese homes, where volunteers would be allowed to live if they let the Englishmen try to civilize them. By British estimation, they took pretty good care of the Andamanese natives. One official at the time noted, quote, the government of British India has adopted a policy towards the aborigines of the Andaman Islands, which has made them, above all races of savages, the most carefully tended and petted. That's not oh, nice. Tended and pet- it gives you a little shiver, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, when you read what colonialist colonizers wrote about what they were doing, even the ones who aren't like outwardly racist and say, like, fuck the Indians, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Andrew Jackson level, yeah, yeah. it's all just so gross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's still like the phrenology level yeah. of classifying humans. Yeah. It's like, mm. Mm. Races of savage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, many aboriginals were adopted uh, temporarily by company officials who spent time in the islands. Uh, they would, like, live in their houses and work as servants and stuff. Some nicknames for these people, because the British could never learn their real names, sure. found in documents include, quote, Topsy, Snowball, Jumbo, Kitty Boy, Ruth, Naomi, Joseph, Caruso, Friday, Tar Baby, King John, Moriarty, Tolis, Punch, Jacko, Jingo, Sambo, and Queen Victoria. Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess what it is 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 they were treating them like animals. I mean, I can't blame them for toeless, because if I knew a guy with no toes, I would call him toeless. Or a bunch of extra toes. Yeah, I would call him toeful. Yeah. 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 That one's okay. You see someone without toes, you call him toeless. (laughs) Can't blame a man for that. I mean... All the others, though. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like they're treating them like pets. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, they're treating okay. them like a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Queen Victoria. That is literally the name of the cat in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty bad. 
Yeah. Pretty yeah. bad and yet pretty bad. better than they've ever done it before. Yeah, pretty bad and yet the best of this sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at least they're not whipping them to death for rubber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not often. Not often. Yeah. They whip them to death, but not for rubber. Correct. The British love they whipping They whip people. them, yeah. and if they happen to die, they whip them too hard. They whip them too hard, and that's regrettable. And they know that. Yeah, and they feel bad. Yeah. They do. The Andaman people became briefly something of a meme around the British Empire. Hundreds of books and photographs were passed around England with images of naked tribesmen fishing and dancing and worshipping. Now, you have to remember that white people at this time were just as fascinated by stories of native tribes as we've always seen. Mm -hmm. But this was the first example, you know, in sort of this modern era of photographs being available of an uncontacted tribe being really reached. So that Mm -hmm. they're able to, like, oh, we can show people what it would have looked like. In North America, back before we killed all, right, 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 yeah, you know that that that's kind of the the attitude here, and so that's why people are just fascinated with all these pictures they can get of the Andamanese. Um, now, one thing that helped to spread the popularity of the Andamanese people was the fact that, oddly enough, they seem to be slowly dying out. Mm-hmm. Weird how that works. Mm-hmm. Now, between 1864 and 1879, 150 babies were born by the women living in the Andamanese home. None of these babies lived past two. It was noted by observers at the time that it seemed as if the will of the Andamanese people to continue existing had been broken. Sure. Yeah. Now, they, beyond that, is there any, it's just disease probably, probably or malnutrition. just disease, but they were noted as all being depressed, maybe because all their friends had died. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the STDs didn't help. Yeah. Uh, Europeans had instantly, as soon as they started establishing settlements in the islands, began fetishizing the Andamanese women. Sure. Uh, and so syphilis and gonorrhea tore through the unprepared immune systems of the aboriginal women like wildfire. This came as a real surprise to the British government. They'd assumed that, quote, excessive development of fat around the gluteal region uh, that had been noted in aboriginal females in the Andamans would stop the British soldiers and sailors from finding them attractive. Uh, yeah, that's pretty gross, right? That's that's pretty rough. That's literally the uh, the open to baby got back. Yeah, but with genocide. <laughs> yeah, baby got back, but but yeah, but genocide. Yeah, yeah. So it was into this environment that we have just been painstakingly setting up. Okay, cool. 1879, <laughs> that a man named Maurice Vidal Portman was made officer in charge of the Andamanese. Now, Portman had joined the Royal Indian Marine at age 16 and risen quickly through the ranks until he found himself basically the guy in charge of the dying Andamanese race. I'd like to quote from his obituary because it really gives you a sweet, sweet hit of that British Empire <laughs> flavor that we've all come to love. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, get ready here. Now, this was written in 1935, by the way. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, for the Times of London. In many parts of the islands, the natives were either still ferocious enemies or at best half-tamed, and his work consisted in making contact with them and very gradually bringing them to recognize the value of British rule. Above all men, he had the native touch, that rare mysterious gift that attracts and makes friends at once with natives. And, slowly, through a long period of years, he made his gift prevail, work of extraordinary difficulty, for most of them were as shy as wild animals, and often of extreme danger. He would frequently have to land on their beaches, standing up in an open boat, amid a shower of poisoned arrows. But in course of due time, he won them by sheer personal magnetism. He doctored them. They were very rapidly dying out from venereal disease. He judged them, and if necessary, he hanged them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's a. <laughs> 1935! Jesus. <laughs> oh, also. They were dying out. Also, he hanged them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. 
that's the good and the now i don't feel so bad about all the shit i wrote about john mckay and shit no it's fine man fuck it <laughs> wow there's plenty of fun in obituaries yeah be a dick it's good now uh that's from his yeah obituary in the times no <laughs> Obviously, uh, his obituary in the Times of London is not an unbiased account of Mr. Portman's life sure. and times. I did find a more balanced description of his life in the book Lonely Islands, The Negrito People in the Out of Africa Story of the Human Race. And I should mm-hmm. pause you to say... That is where the, the comedy group got their name from. Oh, my God. Is that no, the name of a comedy? Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Lonely Island. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Sorry. no. I mean, maybe. Uh, the aboriginals of the Andaman Islands are called the Negrito People because they are black-skinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like essentially... 60-something thousand years ago, people from Africa figured out how to get boats up to the Andaman Islands, Got which it. I can't even comprehend Yeah, what kind of courage that journey would take. That yeah. just sounds insane. Or it's just but like they made it. Storms yeah. and an accident, and like you fucking survive, and that's where you live now. I mean, but that's a long... Yeah. Like, that's, that's that feels intentional. People were looking for something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else... Yeah. yeah. And the name, calling them the Negrito people, was a name given to them by racists in a racist time. Sure. It's, it's, but that's one of the terms you'll hear for these people. Sure. I feel uncomfortable saying it. Yeah. Because it's it tough. feels gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, here's a quote from that book, Lonely Islands. Quote, uh, this is about Portman. He was very popular with the Andamanese, enough to attract his predecessor's envy, yet he could be a stern, even brutal colonial administrator, not hesitating to burn down Andamanese villages who had somehow offended to, quote, show them who was the master, as he put it himself, and to hang the insane son of a chieftain. He was also personally brave, repeatedly facing down armed Andamanese war parties without flinching. So Portman is sort of the best case scenario for an officer of a brutal colonial empire. Yeah. Because he does seem to have at least genuinely cared about the Andamanese people and their culture. He learned 12 local languages during the time he worked there. So he was not like an oblivious guy. He cared about communicating with these people. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote several anthropological histories of tribes in the area that did include really useful information about their culture. So he was not just a guy who burned down villages, but he was a guy who burned down villages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately... (laughs) Portman also almost certainly possessed an unquenchable desire to fuck the men of the Andamanese Islands. Yeah. And since he was a good servant of the crown, he seems to have sublimated that desire into dozens and dozens of unsettlingly erotic photographs and detailed descriptions of their genitals. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Cool. After some ads. <laughs> None of which will contain detailed descriptions of genitals. Well. Maybe. I some of our ads are randomly slotted. If I don't read an ad, it's a random ad. Yeah, people got angry at us because like one came on for the Emirates airline. Oh uh, shit! We've complained about that. Should be removed from the thing, but like we don't know what what comes up. Yeah. So it is possible. If, I was gonna say fairly reasonable given the state of podcast advertising today. Yeah. There's gonna be a dead genital mentioned in that ad. I, I hope not. It's possible. You if, never know. If, if an ad comes on that's advertising detailed depictions of genitals, I apologize. Uh, it was not my intention <laughs> to lie to you. It could be an ED ad. It could be an ED ad, <laughs> but that's a little different. Ad break! The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. 
unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. We just got finished with a shrieking loud fire alarm. This has been quite the day over at the offices. But now it's time to talk about the Andamans more. When we were last talking, we were talking about that guy Portman, and the uh, we're about to start talking about his erotic photographs and detailed descriptions of the genitals of the native Andamanese people. So, sure. Yeah, let's get back into it. Who among us has not taken uh, erotic genitalia photos in the name of science? Yeah, who you know? among us has mm-hmm. not committed colonialism mm-hmm. via pictures of dicks? Uh, by the 1890s, basically the only thing that Portman did anymore, he'd given up all the other aspects of his job, and he pretty much just took pictures of Andamanese people. Cool. Uh, now, not just pictures, he also described their bodies in deeply uncomfortable detail. Great. Uh, he made a lot of money doing this. At the time, it probably looked like a scheme to pad out his salary by selling <laughs> photographs, but historical perspective makes it seem like something else was uh, at stake here. So I'd like to quote from a fabulous historical study published by Satadru Sen of Queen College depicting Portman's photographs. Quote, in one image, a robed Portman poses regally on an improvised throne with a group of semi-naked Andamanese standing beside him. The names of the islanders who are given as a group of Andamanese chiefs are given in the caption. All have authentic Andamanese names. They do not inhabit the frightening and alienating tropical jungle of the colonial imagination that savages renamed Caruso and Friday inhabited in the early days of the settlement. One man, a 35-year-old named Riala, is described elsewhere in the archive as the titular king of the Andamans and is said to have been given this title by the British in 18. 18- 78. Portman himself was instrumental in these kinds of appointments, having installed Aboriginal men as chiefs after 1879. Several other Aboriginal men, wearing white robes marked with crosses, stand formally among them, but they are external to the pictured community, identified only as staff. In another image in the same file, Portman is dressed in a kind of white safari suit. He reclines on the ground, surrounded by the principal chiefs of the South Andamans, who wear nothing. In a third picture, probably taken in the same session, he steps forward aggressively from the center of a line of naked Aboriginal. So again, yeah. Portman dressed to the nines, everyone else naked. Sort of like a, All a, of his pictures. a closeted, genocidal Dan Bilzerian 
mm. uh, a little bit. He's like, yo, this is this is the life. Yeah. He is doing this for the gram. At yeah. The, time, the closest yeah, thing yeah, to the yeah. gram. And it's also uh, unsettlingly and uh, exploitatively sexual. Just um, like the gram. Just like the gram. <laughs> still still tracks. Satadru uh, identified much of Portman's photography as, quote, quite conventionally erotic, more specifically homoerotic. He goes on to note that this is to be expected in the art of imperialism in India in the 1890s. So it is <laughs> cool. It is, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's it, the best is when scholars are like, well, of course. And all the British guys did this. Yeah, there yeah. Were, there was a lot of weird homoerotic photography and, and sexualizing of native bodies done throughout the British Empire. Yeah. It was a capital A, capital T thing. Yeah. Uh, so, we don't precisely know that Portman was gay. There are no references in the historical record to any lovers he may have had, but we do know he never married. And Satadrud notes that his chosen photographic subjects are almost all male and almost always nude. Portman himself regularly praised the attractiveness of Andamanese men, writing at one point that, quote, Many of the men are good-looking, as they have none of the thick lips, high cheekbones, and flat noses of the Negro type. So... Cool. <laughs> what a weird dig. What a Who weird even dig? needs that? He's a weird dude. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Here's another quote. At the center of his gaze is a particular sort of Andamanese who is typically young, male, and muscular. Whereas his photographs of heads capture equal numbers of males and females, the other images, especially those that might be described as casually posed, are overwhelmingly pictures of males. Few show individuals younger than 14 or older than 40, and none of those depicted is wrinkled by age or illness, even in an era where it had become common for British observers, including Portman, to comment on the devastation of the Andamanese by syphilis, measles, and pulmonary disease. When behind his camera, Portman sought to record not the decrepitude brought on by civilization, but the beauty of a savage body that he had recuperated in the clearing. The discourse of imminent extinction provided a context and an urgent justification within which a vanishing aesthetic asset could be showcased and preserved. So he took a bunch of naked pictures of people and justified it by saying, well, they're all dying out, so we got to, yeah. otherwise we won't have naked pictures of them. I mean, I guess he's right. He's right. Here's an example of the pictures. We'll have this up on the site behind the basket. Yeah. That's porn. Yeah. That's porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not a big guy where, like, any naked picture of someone is porn. This is specifically, I well, it seems like he's getting his rocks off a little Yeah. It's like a, what you would imagine, like a playgirl. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you're the National Geographic and you go to a place where people don't wear clothes and you just take pictures of them doing their thing. Yeah. Nothing it's sexual not that. about that. This is a point in time in which many of the Andamanes do wear clothes because the British are in charge. He's not going out into the uncontacted tribes and making them take... He's, he's getting people who live in towns mm -hmm. who are Andamanese aboriginals, and he's making them strip and put on traditional yeah, you know, jewelry, and then he's taking pictures of them because yeah. he thinks it's hot. Yeah. yeah. He's making nudes. He's making nudes. He's making nudes. Unwillingly. Unwillingly. Uh, forcing people to take nudes. Yeah, I don't think he's I wish there forcing was a, them. That's true. But also, he burns down villages that don't do what the British want. So maybe you're it's a like, type of force. We probably can't say no to this guy. It's a type of force. <laughs> he burns I'm, down I'm, my I'm, I'm back to being yeah. comfortable saying he forced them to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I think I think there's. It's not consent is not yeah. clear in this case. Yeah. I have no problem with people taking naked pictures of whoever if there's consent. 
Yeah. I don't think these people can really consent because yeah. of the that consent can't really be freely given. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Portman is gross. His pictures are gross. He clearly has a lot of grossness in him. But one of the confusing and frustrating things about this sort of anthropological study is that we as students are indebted to him for providing us with crucial details about Andamanese culture. Sure. Uh, and in a little bit of fairness to him, it was clearly important to him that these details be preserved. So he was not pure exploitation. Sure. Uh, and I, I mean, liked, oh. we learned shit from Nazi experiments, too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that's also very fair to say. Yeah. Uh, that said, I did come across some cultural details in his writings in this study that I read that I really wanted to read because I think it provides a little bit of fascinating insight into sort of the culture that was being wiped out at this point. Quote, when the Andamanese meet after a long separation, they cry, this custom applying to both sexes. For about half an hour, and sometimes till the dusk after they actually meet, they sit about a foot apart, or I'm not sure how far apart, it just says about apart, uh, take no notice of each other and do not speak. Then one approaches the other. They throw their arms around each other's necks and, sitting on the ground, cry demonstratively. Others join, and one may see a heap of ten Andamanese crying and howling in a way that can be heard a mile off. In the case of men and women, and particularly of husbands and wives, the man sits on the woman's legs, as shown. The crying may continue for an hour and generally ends in a dance. That oh, is that was neat. by far the most healthy way to yeah. deal with That seems like a really healthy... that I've ever heard of. Yeah, a really healthy way to deal with seeing someone for the first time after a long absence. Yeah. Just like sitting in their presence and, yeah, crying and making it clear. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful. But yeah. it's also like one of those things, right? It's like, this is written as like, oh, this is the custom. And... It also equally could be this was the custom reserved for terrible tragedies and it's just that we have done nothing but visit terrible tragedies yeah. on these people since yeah. we saw them. Yeah, it's impossible to know exactly the context of this because we just yeah. have Portman's recitation. Yeah. It. But it's a tantalizing glimpse of a very complex culture that was uh, yeah. mostly wiped out as we will continue to talk Jesus. about. And again, healthier than ours. In some aspects, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they did a lot of they like did they did the thing that a lot of native, like they killed babies and stuff. Like yeah. if your baby's sick, they're gonna kill that baby. Like yeah. that's a pretty normal thing for tribes at that sort of technological level. Yeah, there's ugliness. They had wars. They did fucked up shit. Yeah, like when we talk about native cultures, we shouldn't like idealize them either. Yeah, they weren't perfect. But, but they're not worse than us. They're sure as shit not worse than us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are a bunch of weird findings in Satadru Sen's study of Portman's writings on the Andamanese. Uh, he notes that Portman went to great effort to record details about the exact shape and size of these people, measuring their skulls, probably some phrenology up there, sure. uh, and measuring their other bodily dimensions and writing detailed descriptions of men and women. He describes one 27-year-old woman named Bia as very cheerful, pleasant woman, intelligent and bright, docile and not quarrelsome, breath sweet and no offensive smell from body. Sahadru notes that in almost all cases, almost all of the women described as pleasant by Portman are also described as smelling good. Women described as mean or irritable are always described as smelling bad. <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority of Portman's descriptive efforts, however, took on heavily erotic dimensions and focused on genitalia. Rewa, a 44-year-old man, is described as very intelligent, government interpreter for the North Andaman group of tribes, fond of gaiety and dancing, violent-tempered and hectoring disposition, penis and left testicle normal, right testicle small and atrophied, hmm. very lustful. Oh! <laughs> uh... Uh, <laughs> what do you, what I do don't you do remember that? anthro class that well, but at some point, where did we leave lustful off on the scale? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be there somewhere. It's, it's, it should be, right? Yeah. 
Portman describes another man, Wojcella, as, quote, exceptionally plucky and brave, allowed me to fire at a small pot on his head with an iron-pointed arrow, very good-tempered, breath sweet, not very lustful, penis unusually large, both testes well-formed. What? In the same breath, he let me shoot at his head. What? And his dick's big. What? <laughs> this is like... I mean, it's, it is like a John Waters movie at yeah. a certain point. I keep bringing up, up quotes from, and will later in this podcast, Ruyard Kipling, but that quote from the poem Mandalay about the attitude the British had about places like this, where there ain't no Ten Commandments and a man can raise a thirst. Yeah. There's no rules out yeah, in the yeah. colonies. You can shoot a thing off a dude's head if you want to. Yeah. Just ask him. Yeah. Fuck it. Well, again, ask in yeah. quotes. I mean, he exactly. It's like... I mean, look, look, know look at it from the other way, right? You have an arrow <laughs> trained upon this man. Yeah. Can I shoot you? It's hard to make a request in that case. It's like, hey, dude, I got this bow and arrow. Can I try to shoot this thing off your head? It's a pretty big dick, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely making a note of that. Uh, no? Oh, I mean, yes. Sorry, I definitely meant yes. In <laughs> fact... Oh, you were, you're burning down villages today. Yes, It's always absolutely. yes. Yeah, it's never not been yes. Now, Maurice Vidal Portman is an important figure in understanding what happened to John Chow, the young missionary who died on North Sentinel Island. Because in addition to being a creepy weirdo who wrote extensively about the genitalia of strangers whilst shooting arrows at their heads, he was also the first European to make contact with the Sentinelese people. But we will have to wait to tell that story until Thursday when we have part two. Are you ready for part two, Andrew? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the proper attitude to this podcast. All right, uh, Andrew, plug some pluggables before we roll. Oh, sure. Uh, just, you know, yo, is this racist? Uh, please l take a listen. If you are going to be uh, on the, uh, you know, west, north side of the west coast, of the United States in early 2019. Keep an eye open for Northwest some, <laughs> for some uh, live appearances. Uh, San Francisco, uh, we can announce, um, and you know maybe some other cities. Who knows? San Francisco, city of angels, <laughs> the Big Apple. Yep. Yep. All right, I'm Robert Evans. This has been uh, Behind the Bastards. You can find me on Twitter at IWriteOkay. I have a book called A Brief History of Vice where I dangerously experiment on myself with ancient drugs. Buy it if you want. You can find this podcast on the internet at BehindTheBastards.com, where we'll have all of the sources for this episode and one pornographic picture. Uh, that's the only one I mm -hmm. necessary to include. Mm -hmm. It is porn, you know, you make a note of it. Well, uh, <laughs> we will also... You uh, could argue that it's not porn, it's but not you'd be wrong. It's not going to look trashy, because it's black and white, so you it's know what? probably fine. It's tasteful. It's tasteful. It's a, it's a tasteful, tasteful nude, nude. yeah. <laughs> a tasteful, exploitative nude. Mm -hmm. um, you can find us on Instagram, uh, uh, a.k.a. the Gram, as people are calling it now, mm -hmm. and have been for a while, and Twitter at at BastardsPod. And uh, we sell shirts and stickers and uh, cups and uh, bowls, handguns, uh, cell phone cases. Not handguns? We do not yet sell handguns. We're working on it. Not yet. Uh, branded with all of our favorite bastard pod quotes and, and stuff. Bye, things. Do you guys suffer from a similar problem that we have on Yo, Is This Racist where it's hard to know whether your merch will be used the wrong way? You know? I, I Just mean, like behind the bastards or anything like that where you're like... Mm. I do worry that our Firebomb a cop car shirts yeah. might be inciting bad behavior. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. may have been a poor choice. You never know. That may have been a poor choice. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Let the lawsuits fall where they may. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have released those rolling coal is cool bumper stickers (laughs) for people's trucks. That was also an error. Oh, yeah. No, uh, looking at your page right now, this is we we just released a shirt for advertising Go Back to Europe Airlines, which is appropriate. (laughs) Appropriate in the United States. We had some European listeners say... Maybe not such a good look because that's almost like a neo-Nazi slogan. It's not as far as it ought to be, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. T-shirts are a dangerous game. I know. Uh, Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Fuck it. U.S. only, baby. You know, if I've learned one thing from the East India Company, it's you can't let the possible consequences of your actions get in the way of commerce. Ever, ever, ever. And on that note, I'm Robert Evans. This has been Behind the Bastards. Have a bastardful tomorrow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.